Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 63, entitled, Concerning Giving. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. We're in 1 Corinthians, winding down. Uh, we're all the way in chapter 16. We're going to be in verses 1 and 2 uh, today. So if you've got a Bible, if you don't, get a Bible, and uh, let's open it up. Uh, studying together 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 16, uh, we just finished chapter 15, and uh, we're going to be jumping straight into the next chapter. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that you've given us your word. We're privileged to be able to study. Help us to realize that as we do, we are reading the words that you have spoken. You have breathed them, it literally says. And so, God, we're trusting that these are words from you and that you've intended them for us, and we're asking your Holy Spirit to enable us to understand, enable me to teach, Lord, but enable our ears and hearts to hear. Thank you, God. Thank you for our time, Lord. I pray you bless it and continue to bless our study here in 1 Corinthians. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, end, ending 15 there in 16. So as we just finished, as we read 1 Corinthians 15, it feels like we're kind of climbing a mountain because, boy, he's really taking us down a great road, question, answering questions about the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, our resurrection, and, and he... Uh, like I said, it's like we're climbing a mountain all the way as he expounds thoroughly on this topic of, of the resurrection. Of course, the pinnacle is clearly the last verse. Uh, if you're there in, verse, in chapter 15 or chapter 16, turn back one verse. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. So it effectively says, you know, since, since the resurrection is a real thing, since Jesus has conquered death, and not only achieved his own resurrection, but has also guaranteed our resurrection, and is proven by conquering death that he has robbed everything that sin and death has taken from us. Everything that has been stolen from God is going to be brought back. He's going to make them all, if you will, death's going to make it, have to spit it all back up. Uh, he says, since, since God has done that for us, and since the inevitability of our resurrection is on the horizon, uh, we need to press on. Uh, to good works and uh, serving the Lord, because we know uh, because God has conquered all these things through Jesus that, that uh, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. In fact, it's the only thing that's not in vain. So the very next thing we read, though, there, it, it, when we go from chapter 15 to chapter 16, the very first thing we read there is the first verse in chapter 16, and, and chapter breaks can cause problems. And I've said this before, and I will say it every time we come to some of these places, especially like this one. Uh, breaks can cause problems in our thinking when, in fact, there is a, a break, if you will. Uh, there seems to be a break. Sometimes as we're reading along, we're reading along, and we get to the end of chapter 15, we set our Bible down until tomorrow. Or uh, we, at least there's some kind of pause in our, in our, in our mind as we process what, what God is saying to us. And we think somehow that the writer, in this case Paul, has paused uh, in, in uh, his train of thought. And I would suggest to you, sometimes that is true, uh, but sometimes it's definitely not. Remember, Paul didn't write these things in chapter breaks. These chapter breaks were added in some ways arbitrarily uh, years later. I'm not for removing the chapter breaks. I'm just for, because it's great to be able to find our way around. Uh, but, but, uh, but I am to, uh, for saying, let's be careful when we get to a place like this where the chapter breaks, because somehow there becomes a break in our thought when there may not have been 
in the thought of the writer or in the original document. So, so with chapter 16 in the way, we have a tendency to view the next chapter as being separated uh, from be, what's being said in chapter 15. The last verse in chapter 15 reads, abounding in the work of the Lord. And then we read in chapter 16, what do we read there in, in verse 1? It says, now concerning the collection of the saints, there's giving. So is that a separate issue? In fact, it is not. In fact, what, what we find here is Paul is giving the first example. How, what, what work can I do that uh, I need to abound in uh, that, that will not go fruitless, that will not be in vain? First one he gives us, in giving. Do you give? Do you, financially? Do you give? This is Paul addressing the issue of giving very briefly here in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. He's going to address it a lot more uh, in thorough detail in uh, 2 Corinthians, and we're going to be getting to that as we go uh, through that book here. Not too long, because we're almost near the end of first. We're near right near the end of chapter six of of First Corinthians. So, so the last verse says, "Abounding in the worth of the Lord." And the first verse of chapter sixteen says, uh, "What about your giving?" These are not unrelated uh, verses. Uh, they're, they're intended to be placed together. Again, sometimes these breaks separate us when it's not, in fact, what the Holy Spirit or the original writer intended for us. There's not a separation here. So, abounding in the work of the Lord, uh, a concerning, uh, concerning your offerings, concerning your giving, con concerning the collection for, for the saints. So, all that to say, arrive at a very simple point, if you will, that giving to ministry in God's work is a work of labor that we should all be a part of. We should. Uh, it's not going to be in vain. Uh, that We have uh, allowed, in many cases, uh, the greedy and those who misrepresent the Lord in ministry to steal away from us the importance of financial giving. Because uh, there's a lot of crooks out there, and, and they wear a religious uh, garb. Uh, they, they carry on as if, and they read from the Bible, but in fact all they're after is our pocketbooks, and you're familiar with all the different things that have happened in the past 20, 30 years, these te televangelists and all the things they've done. And we become scared to talk about giving for fear uh, that people will think we're like these crooks and uh, that we're taking money, uh, you know, in the name of religion. And that's not what we're about, of course. But, but we don't like the subject of money because we don't want to be associated with these yahoos. And we also don't like the subject of money, honestly, because it hits us where it hurts. Because maybe there's a part of us that's greedy just like them. We sit in judgment on these guys and greed and avarice and the things that they do. And when in fact, um, are we that way? Do you give? Do you give? Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, he says there at the end of chapter 15. Speaking fully of fully given your work, how, how about your finances? How about that? What, what a great example of, how, uh, of stuff that will not be in vain because we throw our money into a lot of holes, a lot of rat holes, don't we, in this life? Uh, uh, the hole in the water that we call a boat, right? The hole in the street that we call our car, the, the hole in the neighborhood that we call our house, the hole in the Wall Street that we call our stock portfolio. I mean, these are all holes. They, we know, and not, I'm not saying these are necessarily bad. I'm just saying we know these things are ultimately in vain. They will not last. But there is something that will. When we invest in the things of God, it's the only thing that in this life that we can invest in that is actually eternal. And one of the reasons why we know that these, this is going to pay off is because, well, the main reason is because God will be a debtor to no one. Now, God doesn't owe us anything. But, but when we serve Him, 
When, when we serve with our time and our talents and our treasure, God promises to pay us back. God will be, not be a debtor to anyone. God and the things of God is a stock that will eternally rise. Eternally rise. And of course, back to these crooks, these health and wealth preachers say that if you give God $200, he'll give you $2,000, and nowhere in the scriptures does it say that per se. In fact, it does not indicate anywhere that God is obligated. It does say he'll pay you back, but it doesn't say he's obligated to pay you back in kind. Now, at the same time, it does say that he will. In fact, it does say that his repayment uh, schedule, at least for us, is far more than in this, as they claim, thousand percent. It's far greater than that. God's payback is may not be in kind, it may not be in money. Could be. I, I'm not saying it can't be, but but it, it, it's going to be far greater than the value of anything that we gave to Him. To be sure, uh, that payback may very well be in things that money cannot buy. In fact, it is the, in many cases the things that the world is striving after. Why are they after money? Because they think it's going to make them happy. So God can pay you back and eliminate the middleman. Well, maybe he doesn't pay you back in money, but make you happy with what you've got. Make you satisfied, fill you with joy, uh, produce spiritual fruit in your life. These are the things the world's looking for. But they try to do it without God, and so therefore it isn't working. When they get to the end of their rat hole, if you will, uh, there's, there's nothing there. But God is a God who will pay you back. When we give, we're to give like God. So, so giving like God means, among other things, we don't give to get. So, and that's very true. So we, so we look at the Scriptures and we say, well, I, I'm, I don't want to know about this whole God giving back to me thing because it, it sounds like I'm giving to get. And, and I would say, yeah, that's, that's correct. We're not giving to get. We're giving because we've already gotten. We've already gotten through God, from God through His Son, Jesus. We've already gotten so much. Why do I give? Because I've already gotten so much. At the same time, a very clear teaching in the Scriptures is that God does pay us back. It may, not, it may not be in kind, that is, money for money. It may not even be in this life, necessarily, 100% at least. But God does promise in the Scriptures to pay us back. Does God will be a debtor to no one. The Corinthian church is where we are, studying them and their issues. The Corinthian church needed help on every level. Uh, not the least of which was giving. They were out of order in so many things. Let's just review. This is a me to be thankful for this messed up little church, because boy, we learned a lot about learned a lot about what not to do uh, from them. They were out of order in so many areas. They were out of order in regards to uh, the church body. Remember, they're divided. What what do you have when you have a divided body? You have a dead body. Chop you in half. Well, they were spiritually divided, spiritually dead. They were out of order intellectually. They esteemed human wisdom above God's wisdom. That's a problem. They were out of order morally. They had a guy in the church who was still in good standing, even though he was sleeping with his stepmother. Wow. How out of order is that? They were out of order ethically because they were taking each other to court. Remember there we saw that. They were out of order spiritually because they esteemed spiritual gifts over spiritual fruit. Don't tell me what you can do. Tell me who you are. Show me by the way that you live. They didn't have that backwards. They were out of order with regards to the Lord's table. Not waiting for each other, not caring, treating each other carelessly, and thinking, though, at the end of all that, that they still were worshiping the Lord. The Lord very much cares how we treat each other. They were out of order. 
They were out of order in worship. They had the, the least important gifts were getting the main lion's share of the time, and the most important gifts were getting little or nothing. Uh, it's going to mess up the church. They were out of order with, this, with regards to the subject of the resurrection. We just spent a whole chapter on that, saying that there would be no resurrection for believers, and they were, as we're seeing here, out of order with regards to giving. They just really <laughs> had everything messed up, and Paul is straightening them out, and uh, 2 Corinthians does demonstrate that they learn a lot of those lessons. Of course, we all have to learn. Got to start somewhere. And this is a baby church uh, with lots of problems. And one of the problems was in the area of giving. Are you out of order with regards to giving? Do you give? I want to give you just a brief lesson from what we read here in verses 1 and 2 of uh, 1 Corinthians 16 about what the Bible has to say about giving. The first thing that it says, the Bible says that giving is not optional. It's mandatory. Look at let's let's we've already read it, but let's read it again. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church in Galatia, so do you also. He doesn't say, take a vote. You should be giving, he says. Do the same thing. You should be giving. Giving is not optional. It is mandatory. We certainly do not stipulate to anyone how they should give or what they should give, but we, that they should give, we don't make apologies for that. Scriptures is very clear on that. Very clear. Money has a real easily, it's very, very quickly capable because of our sin nature of becoming our God. And so one of the best ways to keep it from becoming your God is make sure that you're giving. Make sure. It can be very dangerous if you don't. God expects us to be faithful in every aspect of our lives, including our finances. So to fail in an area of giving is, to, is an act of disobedience. It really is. And, uh, well, now you've heard it. You need to be giving. Second thing that we read here that we can understand here is the Bible says that giving is to be regular. Look at verse 2. So concerning the collection of the saints, right? Then verse 2, on the first day of every week. So it's regular. First of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper, that no collection may be made uh, when, when I come, he says. So, so make sure you do this. Many, of us, many people say, well, I, I sh we should give if the Spirit leads. And I agree with that. I mean, the Holy Spirit needs, needs to lead in your life. He needs to be the one, ultimately, who's determining uh, what you give to, how, how much, you, much you give. But, but hear me on this. He's already told you that you should be giving. That's not something you need to wait for the Holy Spirit to lead in. That you give is not something that you wait on the Spirit of God to move on. He's already moved on the topic. Here we have it. We have it not just here, but multiple places in the Scriptures. It is uh, uh, When God tells us something in the Bible, it is so that He doesn't have to have that discussion again with us. So, so that He doesn't have to say... Uh, uh, every time, hey, you need to be giving. Every week, hey, he, he's already telling us here in the Scriptures. Every week, be ready to give regularly. He doesn't have to give us a special revelation or special movement. He's already instructed us. It should be regular. And another thing that it says here is that the Bible says that, that giving is to be a part of worship. Notice what it says there in verse 2. On the first day of the week. What day is that? Sunday. That's when they met for. That's when we meet for worship. The early church met on Sundays. They did very early on. They started meeting on Sundays. Of course, the church was burnt out of the synagogue, and uh, ran out of the synagogue because uh, the Jews 
The majority of the Jews failed to believe in Jesus. So they started meeting on a different day, and it couldn't turn out. They don't have to meet on any particular day. But, but, but traditionally, they met on Sundays. And so the first day of the week, they began to meet. And uh, that's when they were supposed to. So it was a part of worship. As a part of your worship, give, he's saying. Sometimes we think there's a separation between the physical and spiritual things. But getting out the truth of God depends not just on prayer. We don't just pray for it. We also have to pay for it. I mean, not to say that God can't drop money from the sky, but listen, if he's already put money in our pockets, then that's the money he's intended to use for the ministry. We need to think about it that way. If there's spiritual growth, the Bible expects there to be evidenced in the physical, our physical lives and practices. If the physical is lacking, the Bible says we can automatically know the spiritual is lacking. In other words, if I say that I'm, I have a spiritual uh, life and that I'm growing in the Lord and yet I don't give, well, it automatically demonstrates that that isn't true. Because part of spiritual is physical. I do give. I'm receiving spiritually. I give physically. So the Bible says we need to give is to be a part of worship. Number four, the Bible says giving is every believer's responsibility. Again, what does it say there? Each one of you, right? Not just the few of you, not just the rich among you, not just the better off. Notice there's no exemptions. It, was, it doesn't say uh, above a certain income, or if you're below a certain income, you don't need to give. Uh, remember the story in the New Testament? We won't, I won't ask you to turn there, but the story of the, the widow and the widow's might. Remember, she comes in, and these guys are dumping tons of money into the temple offering, and a little lady comes in with two small coins, not even worth a penny. And she places them into the offering there, and Jesus says, points her out to the disciples and says, Behold, I tell you, she is giving more than all of the other ones have given. Like, how is that possible? Well, there's, we won't get into how all that that, that means, but, but let's... Let's, let, me, let me draw some points from that. Number one, she gave personally because she knew it was her personal responsibility. She knew she wasn't exempt, even though all she had was this tiny amount of money. It wasn't like once you get below the poverty level, you no longer give. No, she, she didn't think that way. And Jesus didn't correct that about her. She gave personally. She gave sacrificially. Uh, Jesus didn't stop her. Oh, no, no, sweetie, you shouldn't do that. You don't have enough money. He doesn't exempt her. In fact, he not only does not exempt her, he commends her for what she does. To say, we don't have enough money to give. I am telling you, you don't have money, enough money to not give. So you're going to withhold from God, even though every, everything that he's given to you, everything you have has been given to you, you're going to withhold, withhold from him the thank you, God, which is what our tithes and offerings are. You're going to withhold the thank you? God doesn't need our money. I mean, literally, God, God has, owns it all, but he's giving it to us, and part of the reason why he gives to us is not just to provide for us, but it's also to test our hearts. And a lot of us are failing that test. It's a test we have to pass. We have to pass it. Each one of you, from the outside looking in at this widow, we may say, well, uh, you know, that was not a very smart move. She gave every last bit of her money. What's she going to do to get more? Where's she going to buy food? How would she make it? So if that's the way you think, or if, even if it's not, I put it into your head. 
Let me ask you this question, follow-up. Which is smarter? Doing what God says and trusting Him for your supply? Or not doing what God says and trusting yourself for your supply? Hmm. Which is smarter? God is the one who supplies us. God is the one who takes care of us. So a final thing that the Bible says about giving, Biblically, give, biblical giving, it says, is, is pr- to be proportionate. The widow, widow gave very little in proportion to everyone else, but in proportion for what she had, it was huge. Jesus, That's what Jesus says. She gave more than everyone else here. She gave more. Verse 2, notice, we, we again, it's to be proportionate. Verse 2, let's read it one more time. On the first day of every, of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper. So not as you haven't prospered. So if my income goes down, then my spending, at least it should, go down, and my saving should go down, and my giving should go down. I'm not saying that the, that the, the, the poor should give as much as the rich. No, proportionately, yes. But, but uh, actual numbers, no. Proportionate to their income, yes. We should be giving proportionately. Uh, if my income goes up, it, has your income gone up? So do you give more? Hmm. Hmm, hmm. Again, like I said, Paul deals with this whole issue of giving in a much more thorough fashion over here in 2 Corinthians. We're just going to jump over there for a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse it's going to be on your screen there. It popped up there a minute ago, but I had to take it off. So there it is. Now, here's, listen to what Paul says. Here's the giving thing. He follows up on this, this deals with it very briefly here at 1 Corinthians, but it goes much more thorough, a whole chapter long, or a little longer than a chapter in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly, he's talking about giving. Also reaps fairly. He's talking about you know the the analogy of uh, growing a crop. So if I put in a hundred seeds, I can't expect anything more than a hundred plants or something less. If I put in a thousand seeds, I can't expect anything more than a thousand or a million or et cetera. You know what I'm saying? The same thing is true. So so if I give sparingly, talking about my according to the proportion of my ability to give, and but I give something less than that, then I should also expect God to be returning to me sparingly. The one who sows generously will also, notice, reap generously. Again, the principle in the Scripture is that God pays us back. Now, it doesn't necessarily say that He pays us back in kind, but He might. But, but He's sovereign God. He can decide how He wants to. He can decide what's best for us. Maybe what's best for you is not that you give a thousand, He gives you twenty thousand back. Maybe that's not what the best thing for you is. May, it may not be the most thing you need. You may think it is, but God is the Father. He knows what we need, and He supplies our needs. But, but when we're tight-fisted with God and His work, God has to be tight-fisted with us, and that's not a problem you need in your life. Do not be tight-fisted with God. Again, read the stories of this widow and other stories with such how God honors those who, who give generously. In fact, that's the, that's the, that's the next verse, who, who give uh, willingly with a cheerful heart. Look at, again here on your screen, 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. Each one must do, or there it is, each one. So I'm not exempt. You're not exempt. Each one must do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Again, we don't tell you what you're supposed to give or what you're supposed to give to. 
That you should be giving, yes. You have to do that. Very clear in the Scriptures. I mean, Paul is telling them, you need to be giving, but, but, don't, but don't do it. The amount or whatever, that's, come, that's to come from your heart. For God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it, and God is able also to make, because that's the way God gives. God gives cheerfully. God is able to make all grace overflow to you. Here's the return. You want to get paid back. I must be, I'd much rather be paid back in grace than money. Money's trouble. Money causes problems. Now I've got to worry about what I'm going to do with it, where am I going to put it. You say, well, that's a problem I wished I had. Well, let me tell you something. You'd much rather have grace, abundant grace, than you would money. So I got a whole bunch of money, but not much grace. And I'm telling you, that money's going to rot. It's going to rot your gut. You won't like it. God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything. Notice God doesn't just supply in finances. He also supplies in emotions. He supplies in uh, abilities and our understanding and, and our ability to handle the world that we're in. You don't want that pulled back. You don't want that. Always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every for every good deed. So it's not just money. It's in all aspects. So God's making sure that we're well supplied in every single area. And the way that we allow God to move that way in our lives is when we give with a grateful heart to him, a cheerful heart that says, God, you've given me everything. And this is the tithe, the 10% or over my tithe. It's the least that I can do. It's a test. And we need to pass that test. Who or what do we trust in? It'll be demonstrated by our giving or lack thereof. Who has given us what we have? What, do we really believe that? It'll be demonstrated by our giving. It's a test. we got to pass. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. God, we are at a critical time in history, critical time of the year. seems like this time of year, lots of money is flowing, and sometimes we get super nervous about it because... Uh, Maybe we don't have enough to get all the things that we wanted for our friends and for our families. And, and uh, we're also at a critical time economically in our world because uh, things are slowing down uh, quite a bit. Uh, maybe those who are listening, some have lost their jobs or lost some income or things have just not turned out the way that they thought. And so it's hard for us to consider the whole issue of giving when we're worried about what we're getting. But God, help us to see around that. You're the God that supplies our needs. The first check we write needs to be the check to you. Not our rent, not our, not our taxes, not our uh, electricity bill. It needs to be to you. We, we shouldn't be giving to you and to your work the last that we have. It should be the first. God, you deserve the best. And always the first is the best we have. God, help us to be faithful to you so that you can be all that you want to be and supply all the things that we really need, Lord, much more than finances. We need your grace. We need your peace. We need the spiritual fruit, God, that you bear in our lives. Thank you so much, God, for teaching us. Thank you for this Christmas season. How, how much more could we have demonstrated in front of us uh, what it means to give than to see what you've given to us in the gift of your son, Jesus? Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.